Hi, I'm Petrina Gentile, and welcome to Invested in Our New Reality, Invest Ottawa's podcast for business leaders and entrepreneurs. This season, we're focusing on the thriving automotive tech industry here in the nation's capital. And today's conversation takes us down a whole new track. Miles Hammond is here. He's the founder of Ottawa's award-winning product design firm, Studio 63. It specializes in innovative designs for, amongst other things, concept cars. So, Miles, let's start with the first basic question. What is a concept car? Traditionally, you'd think of a concept car as something you'd see at a trade show, often put on by a big OEM, kind of feeling out what the future might be, you know, to develop a car that is super cool, you know, as as technology moves. We see concept vehicles as slightly different because we're building real vehicles that are going to go onto the market. And it's everywhere from a new design that's not so innovative that it's not going to sell well. So we don't need to have it looking super amazing with all sorts of LEDs on it, but we're developing it to match a very specific market. And then we also do concept vehicles that are technology driven, which is a whole new category. You know, traditionally it was about shape, but nowadays it's about technology, right? So building a concept car might have the newest in LIDAR technology or radar or cameras or sound or human interface devices. So we see a variety of different concept vehicles coming out now that are, are really, really exciting. So who are some of your clients? We have a variety of different clients through uh, North America, primarily small startups developing electric vehicles to hit the market to compete against some of the bigger clients and in very niche markets. Uh, We do larger military vehicles sometimes, and we do other just autonomous vehicle development. We help people put technologies into their vehicles that are going to be the future, right? Tractors that are driving through the fields, you know, need to collect data. And so somebody has to build these prototype vehicles. And so that's where we come in. A lot of the time we call it technology integration, right? So we'll take technology, we'll integrate it into existing vehicles so that we can test the technology so that in two years, those can be built into the vehicles as they're sold. And you've also designed and built the world's first autonomous delivery vehicles for Walmart. How engaged are big businesses in integrating these technologies into their uh, future plans? I think we're just seeing really the start. You know, they're getting their feet wet. We built these level four autonomous trucks that are down in Texas and Arkansas that are driving back and forth on the roads right now, but they are driving a fixed route without drivers. And we developed and designed all the technology that goes on it. But I think it's going to be slow. Right right now, companies can't risk their bottom line. So these are pilot projects to see how that technology will move forward. But it's expensive. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to talk about. I mean, when you're talking about concept vehicles, you know, they're, they're usually a million bucks at the auto shows, at least. And when people think about concept cars, even the ones that businesses like Walmart are using, yeah, they're expensive. So is this a technology accessible to regular people? Or can we expect to see some of it coming to a car to us soon? I don't think so. I think, you know, the technology that we were putting on these vehicles, I mean, you're looking at $10 million per vehicle. Yes, they're super safe, but 
the average consumer and even big corporations can't necessarily fit those bills right now. There are technologies that are focusing on reducing that cost dramatically, right? You look at one side, you've got Tesla that's using a single camera to help navigate the streets. And on the other side, you have these really expensive vehicles that are doing it. And I think we'll settle somewhere in between. And I think with consumer vehicles, it's like everything. You've got to start expensive. And then when the demand is there, you drive the cost down and push it into the consumer. So, I mean, we already see adaptive cruise control. We already see these kind of little bits of autonomy creeping into our vehicles today. And I think that's just going to accelerate as technology is you know, reducing the cost of that installation. But I don't expect it tomorrow. Technology is changing so quickly. How do you keep ahead of it? It's hard. Right. A lot of the technology that we integrate into vehicles are brought from our clients to us, but it changes every day, monthly. And so, you know, we have to adapt really fast. And that's kind of what we do at Studio 63 is really bring that ability. And if you call me and say, hey, you know what, this LIDAR is, you know, we found a better one. Can we put this on and test it tomorrow? You know, we kind of jump through hoops and, and get on their vehicles as fast as possible so that they can be out testing the new technology because it does change on a day-to-day basis. And who are some of the clients that you're working with when you're looking at like OEMs, for example? You know, are you partnering with FCA or or Project Aero, uh, you know, the APMA's uh, Canadian-made parts vehicle that's all electric? Yeah, I, I mean, we, we are partnering through some of those. We, we did some concept work for Subaru, uh, we did have our hand in the Project Arrows. A lot of our students that you know worked at Studio 63, we, they, they're the ones who won that award with um, Project Arrow. So we've helped guide a little bit. We haven't had as much of an integration into that. Uh, we've recently actually started a company called Ottawa Infotainment, which is developing infotainment and HMI solutions for low volume manufacturers. Because what we're finding is that exactly like Project Arrow is that somebody needs an instrument cluster that can hook up to your motors and can hook up to your batteries and can hook up to your safety equipment. And so, yeah, we've been developing this hardware that we can really push and help our clients because there's this gap in the market for these emerging companies. What are some other trends that you are seeing when you look towards connected autonomous vehicles, especially in the interior with that user experience? Tesla got it right, right? They kind of pioneered this really cleaned up look and feel. I think the ball swung too much to the left where everything was touchscreen and you know you couldn't reach out and grab a volume knob really quickly. And I think what I see right now is is a move back towards the tactile. And I, I don't think we will just live with touchscreens. I think there will be a nice balance of you know physical knobs, physical buttons, and this amazing technology we have of touchscreens. And I see that's where will most likely end up in the future is, is with this beautiful hybrid of the physical and digital. I hope so, because I can't stand being in a vehicle that doesn't have the volume button. I'm like, well, just give me the volume button and the HVAC buttons. That's pretty much all you need. Yep. Yeah, exactly. For you, what is the biggest challenge moving forward as we move to an autonomous, connected, you know, shared future? Keeping 
up with technology is really key. Being aware of new technologies that are coming down. You know, I remember when we did a, a Porsche with QNX BlackBerry back in the day in 2012, we were the first people to do a digital instrument cluster. And now it's like, oh, that's now standard in every single car, right? So just being aware of the technologies that are coming out. I mean, look at AI, right? There's no way that the new cars are not going to have some type of AI built into them, right, for instance. And so just being open and able to adapt fast, especially as a design company, you know, people are looking to integrate this technology and to, you know, stay abreast of their competition. And so, you know, we try to be as nimble as we can and open and bring new technologies into the vehicles. And safety is a big part of that process too, you know, making sure that these are done in a safe manner. How does that play into, you know, when you're, you are designing and incorporating all these sensors into a vehicle? So in Ottawa, we have access to uh, Area X.O, which is a closed road system for testing. And it's a really unique facility so that you can get your vehicles on the roads, drive it through traffic lights, over train tracks, navigate through bushes if you want to. And so having access to that facility, we rent space there where we can work on these vehicles is really key. So that by the time these vehicles hit the road, they've got tens of thousands of hours already on them. And, you know, we, we can, or at least our clients then are, are confident that they can be roadworthy. And how long does it typically take for you to, you know, design and create these vehicles from start until delivery? Because I imagine it's not as easy as we might think. It's not. And we got a call and they said, hey, can you build us two autonomous trucks in two weeks? And uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> it took us four. Oh, wow. But, you know, we didn't eat for weeks and we worked weekends, but it depends on the the level of technology and how much design work needs to go in, right? Sometimes you're literally just bootstrapping technology on and other times you're trying to make it look good so that it's calibrated and, you know, and so it depends on the project because we're a small lean team. We can often turn around things in a month or two, which uh, helps our clients get there faster, right? It's uh, If you miss the, the window of being the first to release your product, it can be the difference between make or break or the funding that you need from, from the outside world. That's a really impressive turnaround. I was expecting you to say <laughs> like a couple of months, three months. I'm like, Ooh, that's pretty quick. Walk me through the entire design process. Like, is it something that you start off in a digital world and then move forward? It depends. So with technology integration, often what we would do is we'd look at what technology needs to go into the vehicle and then everywhere from physically 3D scanning the vehicle and then we'd move into CAD and we'd build it all in space and we'd check things like you know, are there any blind spots, you know, things like that. So we'll check that all in CAD before we'll do the actual hardcore design and get stuff manufactured in, and installed. And in other cases, you know, just developing, say, a vehicle from scratch, you know, you could start off doing sketches, 2D illustrations, and then we'd end up cutting 3D models that we could, you know, have a look at, feel it, sit in, check the ergonomics, make sure that it's comfortable, 
totally clay models. Yeah, you would have you would go through the process almost like any other. Technology has not got that far yet. We're as good as we were 20 years ago. I mean, we do have wonderful CAD tools that really do help us build things faster. But at the end of the day, you need to look at something. You need to touch it. You need to feel it because there's this you know, CAD lies, as we say, you know, the CAD vision where it looks great or it looks odd. And then you see it in physical and it's completely different, not completely different, but it's got a different feel or a different sense. So, and we ran into that just last week. We thought this car was too tall. So we made it really low and we sat in it. We're like, wow, the roof's too low. And we pushed it back up and we're like, oh, it's fine. It just looked really weird in CAD. And in reality, it looked fantastic. So and it's probably opposite too. Yeah, like you say. <laughs> you just don't know until you sit in something and touch the steering wheel and touch the knobs and check you know, how far that volume control button is away from you. Are you the only company in North America that designs, builds, and integrates autonomous vehicle sensors on almost any vehicle? I would say probably. I mean, there are other design studios that will do automotive design, but they might not do the integration And then there's companies like Autonomous Stuff that would do all the integration, but they wouldn't necessarily do the industrial design. So we're really almost like this unique one-stop shop that we've kind of found this niche that is is fantastic. If I could design cars all day, every day, I'd do it. So yes, is the answer probably. And how did you actually stumble upon this business? Industrial design, I always say, is the great part of design. I design the interior of the car and the exterior of the car, and a mechanical designer or an engineer would design the suspension and motors. So we get the fun stuff. And so when I was in school, I joined for one of my minors. We worked on the race cars through the universities. And that's really how I started with the interest in vehicles. And then through working with QNX and BlackBerry, uh, we started doing all their technology cars. And it just took off from there. And then once people found out, hey, you guys can do this, our clientele has now blossomed to, we've got clients in the UK and India, China, South Africa, USA. So it's the more people find out about us, the busier we get. Yeah. And how important is it to have that facility like AreaX.O to test your product? It's key for us. We just do the design work. But for our clients who are really testing new technologies, you can't just put sensors on a vehicle and drive it down the street, right? So facilities like that are really key. And I think I think we have five different clients that are testing there right now and developing there. So it's a, it's a really nice synergy between the companies that are working there and testing and us doing the design work and integration work for them to achieve that. Now, our podcast is um, is focused on automotive tech, but Studio 63 also designs other futuristic, innovative technology, including sporting equipment. What are some of the sporting equipment uh, you've worked on and anything kind of unusual <laughs> in the mix? Yeah. So I did a lot of soul searching. I was like, what do I want to do? I want to design kayaks. I want to design stand-up paddleboards. I want to design wakeboards. And so... I started reaching out and I, I found this kind of second second niche in water sports that we love to do. It's the stuff that gets us out of the office and gets us you know, behind the boat and testing products, which is always great. And then kind of unique, one of the coolest projects we got to work on was an electric powered hydrofoil, which is basically a wing underneath the water that's powered and you stand on this board and you fly over the top of the water like you're snowboarding in powder and it's 
it's a magic sensation. And we spend a lot of time developing this technology, the batteries, the mechanicals, everything to get this hydrofoil running. And it, it was an amazing experience to be able to finally stand on this thing and, and glide across the lake. That sounds so cool. <laughs> now, what about on the auto side of things? What's the coolest um, vehicle that you worked on? I think the Gaddock trucks that are out there on the market driving down in Texas, I mean, that, that was a full build everywhere from all the sensors, all the electrical, all the computer builds. You know, we did it all and we did it in a really short period of time. And uh, there's not too many companies that can say that they can do that and that they're actually out there and running. I actually was impressed when I was at AreaX.O a couple of weeks ago, um, actually for the, the demo day, and they had a smart tractor there from GPS Ontario. This tractor was driving autonomously uh, around the field, and it was pretty impressive. And it's like a kit, an aftermarket kit that this company sells to people that own tractors. Do you foresee, you know, a business like this where you have, you know, an aftermarkets where you can sell uh, technology, like different sensors uh, to consumers, you know, in the future that they could just add to their existing vehicle and maybe get some of those <laughs> features? I really feel like that's the immediate future, right? Because tractors are expensive. You're not going to go out and buy another quarter of a million dollar or half a million dollar tractor. But if there's a kit that you can apply to it and have it work by itself, essentially, I really feel like those are the solutions that are available now or will be very, very soon. There'll be more competition in that field before the OEMs actually manage to start to integrate that technology into the tractors and into the vehicles, right? So there's definitely a market there for that sort of retro kit, so to speak. Mm -hmm. When do you see autonomous vehicles on the road uh, mainstream? I mean, <laughs> I'm driving around San Francisco and I saw mm. some of those you know, autonomous yeah. taxis. So, I mean, they're out there. It's just, I don't know when it's going to hit the average consumer, right? And I think what's going to happen is you're going to get little pockets of test beds, whether it's taxis or whether it's delivery vehicles or whether it's, you know, a certain manufacturer that kind of cracks it ahead of time like Tesla. But I mean, we're, we're 10, 20 years away from seeing a lot of them on the, on the roads, I would think. Now, what about the future of car design? Where do you see the cars and the technology and the cars going? Let's say if we just look at the next decade. I think the key is going to be hybrid with the cost of gas going up, with the cost of batteries going up, with the cost of electricity going up. I think we have to be flexible. And I think we'll see a reduction in the size of vehicles and people being more concerned about range. You know, this whole, the fact that we now have a thing called range anxiety, which we didn't have three years ago. I feel like they're going to be trying to obsolete that and to give us comfort that we can still drive the distances we need. And I feel like that kind of magic in hybrid cost to the environment, everything, I think that's, that's going to be key for, for a lot of people. And it's interesting you say a reduction in size because consumers are so obsessed nowadays with, you know, big SUVs and trucks. And what uh, with inflation and high interest rates, you can see that that love affair might. We've had it good in North America, right? Things have been cheap. Gas has been cheap. But I mean, you go to Europe and you have a look and you go, wow, all the cars are half the size. And there's a reason, right? And I think that, you know, we'll follow suit. 
So cars are going to get smaller, in your opinion, uh, moving forward. There's also going to be interior cabins that are going to return to some more tactile functions um, in terms of what we're seeing in car design moving forward. Yeah, that's exactly what we're working on. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Miles, you have such a fun job. What a pleasure to chat with you today and to learn about some of the revolutionary work that you're doing at Studio 63. Thanks for being a part of the podcast. And of course, we love our listeners too. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been great. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Invested in Our New Reality. We're committed to bringing you engaging and informative discussions with business leaders who are transforming the future. Stay tuned for our next conversation and be sure to reach out to us at investottawa.ca with your thoughts and comments. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time though, I'm Petrina Gentile. Stay well.